You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall at home to the Purdue Boilermakers 87-66 to uh, in a game that was competitive for about five or six minutes uh, and then really just went Purdue's way uh, there in the first half as they built a 22-point halftime lead, uh, a furious rally from Indiana to begin the second half, got it back to like the 9, 10, 11 point range, but Indiana just didn't have the stamina uh, to keep that going. And Purdue ended up pushing it back out to a 21 point victory. The loss drops Indiana to 12 and six on the season, four and three uh, in conference play. And, you know, we did our thousandth episode uh, last week. And one of the questions that was posed was, you know, what are the worst types of shows to do? Uh, And for me, it's when we don't play well and play like we did tonight at home. There's just nothing more dispiriting than seeing an Indiana team essentially be non-competitive for the majority of the game uh, against Purdue. And you have to tip your cap to Purdue. They're an outstanding team. Clearly they are the the better of the two teams this season, but at home in assembly hall, it's fair to expect a better effort, a better performance from Indiana that we got tonight. Unfortunately we didn't. And the result was what it was. I'm your host, Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms, Antonio Dranya, the coach Brian Tonsoni, will be joining us from Assembly Hall uh, a little bit later. But let's start the show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. Not a lot to go with tonight. I'm going to go with the very opening of the game when McKenzie Mbako continued his progression as a scorer and being a more aggressive and assertive offensive presence, scoring Indiana's first seven points of the game. And when he drained that three and was, you know, you know, driving and, and being effective you know, for for a brief moment, it looked like things might go well for Indiana because that was a huge key to to be in this game. Indiana was going to have to limit turnovers and make threes. Uh, and Mackenzie Mbako was going to have to be big from a scoring perspective. And he started out great. But unfortunately, he picked up a foul on a drive coming, you know, going into the first media timeout and then picked up another foul after that. And Mike Woodson sat him on the bench for the rest of the half, along with Khalil Ware, who picked up two fouls. All I will say is that McKenzie and Baco finished the game with just two fouls. So who knows? You know, Indiana had such a huge offensive drought in the first half. Maybe if you have your most talented offensive player, certainly off perimeter player out there, you're able to get a little bit more done and the game is a little bit closer at halftime. But that is not the decision that Mike Woodson made. McKenzie and Baco, after his good start, then sat for you know a good 12 minutes. Uh, and while he was able to get a few more buckets after that, never quite got, got back into that rhythm that he had at the beginning of the game. Okay, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, you know that more high-quality gear with unique IU logos from the past is always right around the corner. And we know this for sure. Connor Hitchcock, founder of Homefield Apparel, joined us last week and told us there's an Indiana refresh coming. So we don't know exactly what that's going to be, but you know it's going to be something interesting that you're going to want to know about. So highly recommend you get on their email list, subscribe to their app, wherever it is that you get alerts 
even better, the text notifications. So when that stuff comes out, you have a fair shot to get it because a lot of times when they do those new product refreshes, especially for IU, stuff sells out really fast. And it's not just Indiana. They have, gosh, 150 colleges and universities. They're rolling more out at the beginning of this year. They just keep growing and adding new stuff. There is truly something for everyone at Home Field Apparel. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME23 at checkout, and you will get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line on this very disappointing Indiana performance. Uh, yeah, I mean, tough to tough to know where to start. I think you go back to the first half, the the auto-benching that you mentioned. Really, by the time he put them back in late in the first half, it was just already too late uh, at, at that point. I, you know, I thought at the eight-minute mark, you probably needed to try to roll the dice and put Mbako back in. Uh, he was really the one guy. Uh, Galloway was this way in the second half. Um, but Mbako did not seem scared of anything and was willing to attack. And really, for the latter part of both halves, quite honestly, IU just settled. Settled for threes that Purdue was willing to let them take. Settled for long twos. Um, settled for not diving for a loose ball while watching Purdue dive for a loose ball. Settled for a you know over-the-head pass to an 18% three-point shooter instead of kicking it ahead four dribbles earlier to a guy who's running wide open, um, just settled. And, and um, you know, I think that the auto benching thing is one we've talked about a ton with Woodson. I, it just was, it, you know, you can be mad about the foul calls and all those things. I know a lot of people are going to have things to say about the fouls. I thought IU made a lot of stupid fouls in the first half, like fake tough guy stuff, trying to pull like Wisconsin type stuff, trying to, make it look like a guy pulled you a certain way and do whatever. And they racked up a ton of fouls doing that cheap shot stuff. Like what X did to Zach Eady. I, I mean, this is just a team right now that really short of the beginning of the game and the beginning of the second half really lacked leadership uh, on the court and off. It, it felt like uh, I thought Galloway really tried to put the team on his back and probably to his own detriment. Eventually. I think that worked great at the beginning of the second half uh, eventually just wore on him. And I think, you know, they had to go with that lineup so long that had got off to a good start. They eventually just wore down. I mean, the latter parts of both halves were just bad um, because you didn't get a ton out of the bench. The numbers will show you got some production, but ultimately that was, you know, some window dressing late and being able to get a few baskets late in the game. But, you know, overall guard play wasn't good enough. IU let Purdue off the hook at times with the shots that they took and and really for a stretch defensively at the end of the first half was just terrible um pretty scored almost on every single possession so just i think there are a couple noteworthy performances and i think things that you can potentially build on but man not a lot in a in a really important game in your home gym against your rival to come out and play the way they did for as you said jared if you take out the first i don't know three four minutes of the game and the first six minutes you know five six minutes of the second half i mean the amount they got outscored the other 30-ish minutes of the game was probably got outscored by 40, I bet, in the rest of the game. Yeah. All right. Tony, you know, your IU film room today, you kind of showed us what Purdue's strengths are and the opportunities Indiana would have. Unfortunately, we didn't take advantage of those opportunities. In, in case you missed it, you also got to see their strengths during the game tonight. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the uh, a lot of the role replace off the ball screens was was in action tonight for Purdue. Um, you know, in short, Indiana was was outplayed, out hustled, out coached 
and you know the result on the scoreboard showcased that. Um, you know, if if I was evaluating it like it was my team, I would be very disappointed uh, just with the overall effort. Uh, you know, I, I tweeted it out, but it's your arch rival. You've got an electric crowd. Everybody in the state that at least everybody in the state that has Peacock is watching, and you just absolutely lay an egg. Um, now there there were factors outside of just the energy and effort certainly that that played into it, but it's just you know it just didn't seem like there was any pride in in what Indiana was putting out there on the floor. And I know that's an easy cliche thing to say when you get blown out, um, but man, when you get blown out by your rival on your home court, it just it, it hits a little bit different, and you start you know kind of wondering how did that happen, why all those different things. And, you know, you can certainly go back to some certain stretches in the game, as Andy pointed out, Uh, you know, the, the auto bench thing is, it's just silly. It's an antiquated mindset. Um, You know, you're, you're essentially fouling your guy out in the middle of the game rather than at the end of the game when, you know, it pretty much was out of hand outside of that tiny stretch. Indiana got it down to nine. Um, You know, the game was certainly out of hand for the most part. So it's just, you know, it's really frustrating. Um, you know, and then it just kind of everything summarized when, you know, the All-American National Player of the Year dives on the floor as, as Ware just looks at it and Purdue gets a dunk the other way. And they're excited. I mean, and hats off to Purdue. I mean, they, they played their tails off. They were the aggressor. They were the more level-headed. Like like Andy said, IU was kind of trying to do some Bush League tactics almost of, like, grab the guy's arm and then flop or – um you know, just silly stuff that's just like, you know, like I thought Robbie Hummel made a great point. He's like, there's 10 cameras that are watching every single move you make. Like if you do something stupid, it's going to get caught. And I actually tweeted like I, I don't necessarily this is a whole different thing. I don't necessarily know that XJ was like just swarm shivering. He was trying to tag the roller and it. He was over, you know, over aggressive. He's got a rep like I get uh, it's completely tangent. But anyway, it's just, you know, just a little Bush League stuff that. Indiana couldn't afford to, or, or I didn't think Indiana should be trying to employ as, you know, the, the flagship university of the state or whatever the case may be. Um, so just, just disappointed, man. It, it, uh, it never fun to lose, never fun, really never fun to lose at Purdue. And I think, I think at least far back as like the seventies, that might be the worst we've lost to Purdue, um, in quite some time. Oh, well, that's, that's nice. <laughs> you know, it just, you're right, Tony. First thing, you have to tip your hats to Purdue. They're an excellent team. We all know that. There was definitely a path for Indiana playing really well tonight, similar to the Kansas game. You play, play really well, and you lose to Purdue because they're just really good, right? And they've got a player in Zach Eady that no one has an answer for. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer clearly are a year more mature the way that they handled Assembly Hall, although – I would contend our team didn't make it nearly as tough on them as that team did last year. So you have to give those guys credit. There's no doubt about it. And when the National Player of the Year is diving like that for a loose ball in a game that's been decided, I think that tells you a little something about their mentality and maybe the difference in mentality between these two teams and these two programs right now. So that's just a reality check, and you have to give a hat tip there. You know, and I'll just make, you know, just make this point on the two-foul thing. It is so dumb to have a hard and fast rule on that. It has to be contextual. If you're up 20 
cool. Sit Mbako and Ware. Save them for the second half so that nothing silly happens and you make sure they're there. Great. When you're down and the game is getting out of hand right in front of your eyes and they're two of your three best players, the guy who guards the post and the guy who can make shots, you have to put them on the court. There is no argument for that decision. It is coaching malpractice. It didn't even give Indiana a chance. Now, I'm not saying it would have changed the game. Maybe you lose by 15 instead of 21, but who knows? At least go out there and fight and give your team a chance. And Mike Woodson didn't do that tonight, and it's extremely disappointing. And the last point I'll make, Andy, is you know to something that you said, which is you know Indiana played pretty well at the start of each half. You know, came out in the first half that, you know, that stretch at the, you know, before the first media timeout, Indiana's down 9-7, had a couple turnovers, but there was energy, there was juice, and Baco's scoring. You come out at the start of the second half, and it was noticeable how hard and aggressive they were playing. And to me, they don't get any extra credit for doing that. That's just what should have been going on the whole game. That's how you have to play the whole game. Now, you know, with the bench struggling and, and all that stuff and you can't rely on X, I get, you know, maybe Indiana wasn't going to be able to keep that up all game with that lineup. Fine. But the point is, Andy, that to me is a, really a sign of a team that doesn't have internal leadership. You know, it's like, OK, you come out of the locker room at the start of the game. You come out of the locker room at halftime. You kind of play well. You play focused right after you're, you're done talking with the coaches. But then it all unravels from there because this team is just rudderless. Your six-year senior captain is really giving you nothing. You know, Malik Renew, you know, just didn't wasn't quite able to impact the game tonight like he normally is. And then you've got, you know, your aggressive scorer in Mbako who's on the bench for a lot of it. So it, it's just a team from the especially from a backcourt perspective that just doesn't have enough leadership. And we see this a lot with this team, is it's like they get off to good starts. And then it just unravels. And as much as it's the substitution, sometimes, you know, that clearly wasn't the issue tonight, at least in terms of the all bench lineup or anything like that. It's just that as this team gets into a half and there's there's a flow to the game, this team just can't really seem to handle it against good teams. And I don't know that there's a great fix. In fact, I'm not really sure that there is because this team just doesn't have the experience and productivity and talent in the backcourt that it takes. Yeah, to to go back to the two foul thing, I think the one that was particularly egregious to me was Mbako. One, because of how he came out. Two, because Purdue is daring someone to make outside shots. I mean, go back. I I mean, I don't actually encourage somebody to go back and watch the film. I mean, Purdue has five guys in or right outside of the lane on basically every defensive possession. And Mbako is the one guy that would pull at least somebody away from there. Uh, Or if they don't, the guy who has the biggest chance to make him pay. If you don't want to play where, because you're thinking he's going to get another foul on Edie, like maybe I can see it, but he actually did a pretty good job. I thought the ones he got called, well, I guess he didn't get called. They called renew on the one that was just awful in the second half. Um, But I even thought the first one that, that he got in the second half was not a foul either. Um, But, but regardless of that, like sparks was at least like banging him around. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have foul trouble. You've got to put one of the two back in. And to me, Mbako was the one that you probably could roll the dice with and live with at some point. But by the time he came back in the game, a th- it was, they were down three when he went out, they were down 14 when he came back in with about three and a half minutes left. Now Purdue extended the lead in those final three and a half minutes where it came in somewhere, um, you know, somewhere after that for maybe the last two minutes of the half. But um, well, if a score yeah. sits that long, a lot of times, well, exactly. Yeah. Then what do you think? What do, yeah. What do you want him to do? Um, so anyway, you, you put him on the bench. You say, Hey, don't take any chances on defense, but we have to have your offense out there. 
Go. And even if you say don't drive and get another foul when lawyer just throws himself on the ground, as he did on the first call and tried to do on other calls uh, against Mbako, he tried to get another foul on him doing the same thing and they called nothing. But um, it, so it, to your other point, yeah, I mean, the guard play, I, I wrote down the guard stats at halftime because really the game was decided in the first half for, for as well as IU played in that stretch. I think anybody who's watched this team play this season knew that that was unsustainable on some level. But at halftime, the IU guards have 11 points on five of 17 shooting, one of seven from three, didn't get to the free throw line, seven rebounds, four assists, three turnovers. The Purdue guards, 27 points, outscored them by 16, nine of 18 on field goals, took one more field goal but made four more, five of 11 on threes, outscored them by 12 points from the three-point line, four of six from the free throw line, five rebounds, eight assists, one turnover. I mean, that's the difference right there. Uh, IU didn't do great against Edie, but IU's not, nor have they really ever against Edie thrown everything they can at him. They've been far more willing to let him get his. Pretty much did that tonight. Tried to make his life difficult. He did a great job making free throws when he got fouled, uh, which is something that had hurt him in other games. You have to be able to to slow the guards down, and and that just is where this team. Gabe Cups hit a couple good shots, but also in early in the second half, took a you know a questionable one, bad turnover late. Galloway came out like a house of fire to start the second half after you know struggling in the first half, taking a lot of shots, um, but he just he can't sustain that level for an entire half. I mean, it was. It's just a lot to expect from him to, to do that. I thought he had some drives that were a little reckless at times. And and Xavier Johnson was just a, a I mean, minus 20 in 19 minutes. Didn't score. I, again, I, this this is a silly play. To, well, two silly plays that he in my mind that he made in, in the second half alone. You know, the wrap the ball behind your back, try to go for the layup. You, you're not going to get that layup. They had too many guys back to do that. And and the pat the play where he could hit it ahead to see, I think it was CJ Gunn. And he chooses not to, takes three extra dribbles and throws a pass over his head to Anthony Walker for a trail three. I, like if that's your decision-making process at that point, I don't know what to tell you at this point in, in your career. And felt bad that he got laid out on that screen. He got absolutely hung out to dry by the bigs. Yeah. Um, but just... His decision making was was incredibly poor. His shot selection was poor. Took long twos again, you know, threes falling away, not squared up. Just, just yeah. I mean, one of the passes he tried to make. There's no way in hell you're gonna make. I think he tried to throw some pass through. There's just no way in hell you're gonna make it. Like this team cannot win if he plays that way, or even it, close to that can way. Barely compete. Yeah, because yeah, let's go, Tony. Because you, you, yeah, I mean, you, you, you just. I, you know, CJ Gunn did some did some nice things in the game, but still struggling with the shot. Gabe Cups again is being asked to do way more than you ever envisioned him him needing to do at this point in his career, and he's going to make mistakes. And that's because he's a freshman and is being asked to do things that he you never thought he'd need to be capable of doing at this point. It, it just is, but the backcourt is just weighing this team down, and there just aren't alternatives to to go to. Um, at this point, I, I will say Johnson did play some good on ball defense at times when he really wanted to, which is actually as frustrating as anything. Like when he really wanted to and really focused and competed, he was really good defensively. Yes. But that shouldn't stand out as the exception. And it does. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. Oh, no, you're good. I, I was going <laughs> to a couple minutes ago. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I got to channel my inner rant there. For I got to channel my inner Ryan while he's not here. <laughs> the uh, the fact that anybody on Indiana is even allowed to shoot a mid range jump shot at this point is is like malpractice in and of itself. So here's a stat for you: uh, medium seventeen footer to the three point line. Indiana shoots that shot more than ninety eight percent of college basketball. They are making zero point five three points per shot. It's actually gone down since I looked at that stat a couple weeks ago. I mean, that's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. And you shoot that more than 98% of the college basketball teams. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I, the run I know baseline Andy's... plays to get that shot. Oh, I know. They, they love that screen-to-screener action for C.J. Gunn in the corner. <laughs> they absolutely love it. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. We're actively seeking out that shot. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's it's. It's bad. And, and, you know, you mentioned, like, you know, there's nothing they can do backcourt-wise, and I agree to an extent, but there are some things that, like, all right, let's let's cut out the BS where we're, we're making .5 points per shot. Like, that's one thing you could do to help your team. Like, guys, this says you can't make that shot. Like, you know, like, I used to have a coach that you had to make, I think it was 60% of open shots. I'm not saying they should do this, but you had to make 60% of your open shots from certain spots to be able to shoot those shots in games. Like, there's got to be some accountability when you are not scoring or making shots at an effective level. Like Xavier Johnson, he's really bad at finishing at the rim. He has been his entire career. Stop going to the rim, leaving your feet, having nothing, not knowing what to do with the ball, and then go up. Like these are coaching points. These are and then when they do it, you pull them and you say, "Put your ass on the bench." But there's there's just not that accountability. Like that's the fact that they, you shoot at more than ninety eight percent of college basketball. That's mind blowing to me. That, that that they are allowed, and that that number has gone up, as as bad as it's been, and and you know I hate to just be like negative Nelly, but good lord, like at some point you have to look at the numbers and just say, wow, this is bad. We need to change something, and it hasn't happened, and that's frustrating. I mean, Tony, we lost by twenty one to Purdue. It's okay to be a negative Nelly tonight. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I, think it's I think it's I think it's totally okay. I mean, so. Tony, what do you do with Xavier Johnson right now? You know, we talked about this after the Minnesota game. I think we were all in agreement at this point. You can't give him back. I mean, I didn't think – I thought he should have been suspended for the whole Minnesota game. Um, He wasn't fine. You know, they put him on the bench. I thought a good decision to keep him on the bench now, both from a basketball standpoint and from an accountability or discipline standpoint. I mean, it's wild that you feel better with Gabe Cups out there with as little as he's able to give you offensively, but – you know, there's at least a kind of a focus and, and some other things that Gabe brings to the court that X really isn't right now. So you're at this point. I mean, the season is teetering on the brink. If it hasn't already careened off the brink, I mean, kind of being kind saying it's on the brink, you have to get something out of Xavier Johnson. It's the only formula for this team to be successful. We knew it as far back as the off season. And even those who weren't nearly as bullish on him and I, as I was, would not have expected it to be this bad, you know, so what do you do? And I, and I know it's kind of an impossible question to answer because we're not in the locker room. We're not in practice. We don't see everything going on. But just based on what you see, like what do you do with him right now? Do you just keep him on the bench, give him a few minutes in the first half and ride him if he's playing? Do you you know not play him? Like I don't – because this is the question that's going to define the rest of the season, and I certainly don't know what the answer is. And probably none of us actually know the answer, but, you know. Yeah, this is just, this is teetering on – exactly what happened to Xavier Johnson to end his Pittsburgh career. Made some boneheaded plays and, um, you know, got sat on the bench, wasn't getting playing time, 
And eventually there was just a statement he left the team in February. You know, I don't hope it doesn't come to that, and, and I don't. I don't necessarily think it it will. Um, you, you know, you and I had several conversations this off season about how bullish we are were on on XJ coming back, and you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty and, and and whatnot. But with him, obviously, you know, when you're Coach Woodson, you got to make a decision right now. Like, hey, do we have an opportunity to turn this thing around, make the tournament? Or are we about development now? And like, it's sad that you even have to have that conversation. Um, I do think if you are at a point where you want to win, and and that's like your number one goal, Xavier Johnson isn't going to give you anything off the bench. He's he's shown that in that role, he is not going to thrive. Um, you know, when he was the game against, I can't even remember what game it was now, where he had like nineteen and. And however many points um, at home last week, Ohio State, that, right. that's Xavier Johnson you're hoping you get. But to me, he's not going to give you anything off the bench, and and that irks you more. So like to me, it's like I just don't want to play you because you're not even going to come in the game and give me everything you've got in the minutes I'm giving you. So why should I give you any minutes? On the flip side, it's like he's a guy that needs to start to get in the flow of the game to even have an opportunity to contribute to the team. So like I said, you're kind of in that mode of do we want to just develop Gabe? For, for the coming seasons, just ride him, play him 30, 35 minutes, just sit XJ down, and you know he can be on the bench and, and sulk or be excited or however he wants to end his IU career, that's up to him. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly decisions that have to be made. Or you do call XJ in and just say, look, I'm giving you 10 to 15 minutes until you prove you can play your ass off in those 10 to 15 minutes, and, and then we might look at, hey, maybe you'll get a different role coming back. You also could have that conversation. That's probably the route you should go, given everything, all the extenuating circumstances. But you know, I could, I could see any of those scenarios playing out. All right. Well said. Let's stick a pin in that. Let's keep that conversation going. Coach Tonsoni is here, uh, but let's go to segment two. We'll bring Coach in. Uh, coming up here as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Purdue. Bring the coach in, get his thoughts. We'll talk about our meaningful moments, and then we'll go inside. The- there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hi. This is A.J. Moye. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? 
celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, AJ. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Tony Adranya, and ladies and gentlemen, live from Simon Scott Assembly Hall, it is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, we will get your thoughts first before we go to meaningful moments. Opening thoughts yeah, on this just performance. A tough not- yeah, tough night for, for Indiana. Uh, I don't know what you guys have already said. I, I, I don't want to repeat an awful lot, but it, it came down to shot making in the first half and the fouls. Uh, I, I thought the players uh, played hard. Uh, Trey Galloway just now in the press conference uh, said something that made sense. You got There's a difference between playing hard and playing uh, dumb. Uh, and and they, were, they were wanting to be physical and push Purdue around, but they, they had too many fouls. Andy, you said that in our text message, and, and it was verified uh, by Trey. The difference in the fouling and the lack of adjustments to how the whistle was being called um, was, was a problem. So I thought there were some positive things. Uh, I thought there was a, a lot more negative things, but Purdue's just really, really good, and it's just hard to play. If you don't play your very best, it's hard to beat a team like Purdue, and I think that's what happened uh, t- tonight. And uh, you just got to try to take the positives from today and, and move forward somehow. Uh, but it, it, it was tough, tough night. Yeah, you know, I want to hit this. You know, Andy, you put this in our chat, uh, comments from Coach Woodson. He says, I thought Ware could have done a better job defending Edie, but he didn't. It kind of talked about some of the toughness. Coach, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I mean, Edie obviously, you know, a little less efficient than he normally is, only 11 of 23, but then 11 of 12 from the free throw line, 33 points, 14 boards, which just seems like par for the course for Edie in this series. Um, what did you see in terms of what Indiana did and what could they have done better against him defensively, Khalil specifically? Yeah, I, I think uh, in the second half, Ware was more upright and jumping up and trying to block shots instead of trying to push uh, once he got the ball, I think you had to push Edie off the block, and I thought they tried to do that. But I thought he had more bounce in the second half than he did in, in the first half, and, and that lack of bounce and, and kind of intimidation a little bit, and that's where the toughness comment comes in. We've said this all along. Th- that young man plays hard. He's just not physical. And, and tonight, when you got to play physical, that's why Sparks did a really nice job off the bench, I thought, in really bullying Edie, and that's how you got to try to play him because Edie is just so dang strong. Uh, so I, I think that's a comment. I think um, Malik is still a sophomore. Uh, he, he is our go-to guy, and he has had a great year, but there are times when he would just turn and watch, and Kaufman Ren would run and get an offensive rebound, a key one in the second half because he wasn't blocking out. That's the comments where I agree with Coach Woodson. The players got to be, be tougher. With that being said, I, I thought they played with a lot of um, you know intensity, but just not – they didn't execute. Uh, and that, there's a difference. And, and – the Purdue team has been together. Uh, I think their system uh, is better fit for them. And you can utilize a lot of pieces in their system as opposed to the isolation drive, one-on-one play, kick when you get two system that Indiana runs. And so I just think it was a system more than more than anything. Uh, and you got, you know, the best player probably in college basketball right now. And it's just a tough guard. But with that being said, I don't think Edie beat per, beat Indiana. I think Jones and Lawyer in the first half yep. beat Indiana, and you get down by 22. Uh, if you would have told me Braden Smith was one for 13, I was going to say Indiana wins this game because I thought 
you know, Smith and, and the big guy, I was all for letting Edie get 50. Uh, in, in, in the pregame, I thought, let him get 50, knock out the three-pointers and knock out the, the side players, and, and Indiana has a chance. What did Edie end up with, 30, 32? 33. Um, yep. 33. Fine. Uh, but guard the other guys. So, you know, that that's my thought. I. I uh, I thought they had to try to push the guards out physically, uh, but they were getting called, and then they couldn't adjust to that the foul call. Uh, you can't just let the Purdue run their stuff. You got to be physical with them, and and Indiana players didn't execute because they were just too uh, silly with the fouls, uh, and it, and it got Indiana in trouble. Yep. Okay, let's go to meaningful moments. Meaningful moments that you might have. This segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. You know, I will, Andy, you know, give Trey Galloway some credit. You know, I thought there were some times in this game when Indiana really needed a bucket and Trey, you know, found a way to be aggressive and do it in the first half, it's 18 to nine, you know, Purdue's on that run uh, and Indiana's just reeling offensively. And this was still when, you know, the game was, <laughs> you know, I guess competitive, uh, you know, and Trey drove, he bumped, didn't get the foul call, hit the layup. There's really just a big shot at the time, made it 18 to 11. It's the kind of play a senior has to make, you know, when you just desperately need a bucket. It was also an example, I thought, in the first half. I fully agree that I think all the fouls they called on Indiana, for the most part, were legit, and some of them were really dumb. The frustration I had and that a lot of people had is it didn't seem consistent on the other end. I mean, Trey got fouled on that play, bumped with the body. It should have been called. Again, does that make a big difference ultimately in the game? Probably not. But those are some things that you would like to see. And then, you know, in the second half, I thought, I mean, the, you know, the really the best point in the game for the second half for Indiana, Trey fights through a screen. Again, bump gets knocked down, probably was a moving screen. No foul is called. He fights through it to deflect the ball anyway, ends up getting it driving, fouled, uh, makes both of them. That made it 60 to 51, which was kind of the one point in the second half, Andy, when you're thinking, maybe? But then... You know, my dad was watching the game. He's like, man, they've been playing so hard. I don't know if they can keep this up for the rest of the second half. And that's one of the problems when you make that mad scramble back. You very often don't have enough to sustain it, especially against a team this good where you're just not going to stop them enough. So just wanted to give Trey, you know, a little bit of praise. I mean, I, it was a tough night for the guards. There's no question about it. And one guard alone wasn't going to do it. You know, if you told me coming into the game that Trey had the production he had tonight, 17 points, five assists, four boards, three of seven from downtown, Okay, you can win with that from Trey Galloway. It's just that you didn't get anything from Xavier Johnson, and obviously Gabe and CJ just weren't enough to counterbalance uh, Lawyer and Jones. So just a couple moments to to point out from Trey. What stood out? What other moments stood out to you? It, yeah, I thought I thought even his uh, his play early in the second half was was really key. I felt like he really set the tone, watching guys come out and really start to compete on a level that they didn't um, consistently in the first half and. You know, even the second three, you know, it's one thing to make the one three, but he, you know, gets a ball screen on the second one. Nothing happens, gets the guy back and just confidently steps back and, and makes a shot. I, I I thought the same thing. I think what your what your dad said was true. I thought Trey was pretty emblematic of that. I, I really I found myself thinking the same thing like this team, you know, Woodson's willing to ride the lineup that's working well. 
they had exerted so much energy at that point. It's like you have to be able to trust guys on the bench enough to sprinkle them in and try to work your way through and not have this big dip. Um, and and really, you know, then after he makes those free throws, IU scores on just two of the next 11 possessions. Um, and I think that was just really where that dip started. You had guys taking, you know, settled for some threes in there. Uh, although where made one had a couple, uh, you know, had a couple of turnovers, one from Galloway, one from uh, Mbako when he just kind of drove and then didn't really know what he was going to do once he once he got there. Um, you just felt like the steam kind of went out of him at that point. You needed somebody to come in and give you some kind of spark off the bench uh, at that point to kind of sustain the excitement that had gotten in the arena and the energy that the team had. And you just didn't really have that um, as, as you went through. But, I, yeah, I really thought he was, as much as anything, trying to will the team to – to get back in the game early in the second half in particular. And I, th I think the, the one thing to go back to your point on the foul calls, what it seemed like they were allowing to go in the first half was a lot of the bumping. What they were not letting go was the grabbing, which is what I used fair. fair. Um, and I think that's where coach says you're trying to disrupt what they want to do offensively. We've all watched enough big 10 basketball to know you can get away with some stuff like bumping cutters and different things like that you just can't reach out and grab them and try to throw them the other direction and make it look like something else happened and, and whatever. I just thought IU was, you can get away with some stuff in the big 10. You just not going to get away with the stuff that IU was uh, trying to do for whatever the reason, but I don't disagree with you, but it, it seemed to me like that was the delineation between what was called and not called. No, I think that's actually a good way to describe it. Tony, any other uh, moments that stood out to you that we should reflect on? Yeah. In the second half, it was just kind of dumb luck, um, but it, you know the, they always say game rewards toughness, and it, it kind of seemed like one of those moments. Um, guys were kind of flailing around. So I can't. I think it might have been Jones or Braden Smith tried to throw a, a pass into Edie in the post, gets tipped. Somebody falls down and goes right in Fletcher's lawyer's hands. He knocks down a three, and and to me that like took all the wind out of the sail, took all the air out of the building. And Purdue basically built on the lead from there in the second half. So to me, that was a big one where it was just like, dang, <laughs> you know, like had an opportunity and, um, you know, didn't get it done. So um, that was a big one to me where I kind of earmarked it. It was like that that was kind of a nail in the coffin for Indiana. Coach, you have any other moments that stand out before we talk numbers? Just, uh, you know, when you go back and, and watch film, and, and Tony can attest to this, you got to try to find something out of tonight to build on. There were two really nice over-the-top rim runs uh, on the fast break. I, I believe this team needs to play with pace. And what you saw at the beginning of the first half and the second half was pace, both um, in executing offense and in the fast break. Uh, in, in those two situations specifically, C.J. threw one over-the-top to renew and I think actually when X got knocked out, uh, they threw the ball over top of him whenever the team was going back and was able to score before they stopped it. But the idea is to take from this, if you're going to go beat a Wisconsin, if you're going to go beat someone else, you're going to have to play, I think, an up-tempo style uh, with this team. We've been calling for it for a, a, a lot. And the other, the other thing was that it was – I have it marked down here on my notes, and I was scatterbrained, but when Ware hits his three – uh, I, I just, you know, Ware against Edie, pull them out away from the rim, and they didn't do that. Uh, I know Ware was not in a lot in that first half, 
Um, but that was a sign of utilizing his ability to face up and shoot uh, the basketball. Uh, I would have loved to see him put him in ED into drop coverage and, and pick and pop. And, and he, I, I think he was one of two. I, I have the, I should be more prepared with the stats, but, um, where was, uh, one, one for three. three, Yep. one of three. Um, I don't remember the third one. I might've been leaving early there from the press box, but, um, I, I just think, Utilize the skills of your players um, instead of trying to force feed them into spots. And, and, you know, Tony and I and you guys, we're not at practice. We don't know the, the, the strategy and all that. So trying to be fair a little bit here. But the young man can play facing the basket. And early on, he tried to post him up, and he looked awkward trying to go against Edie. And then, you know, he got in foul trouble. So that kind of took him out of the game. But, man, that's a weapon. Uh, that I think you, Renew is really good down low uh, and against fours. Post Renew up and, and bring him out a little bit. And if they want to sag off, just just hit hit that 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 shot. I, I thought those two things go over the top more and utilize wear in different situations, especially on nights when he, he's got a little bit of a mismatch physically. Uh, I, I thought those were a couple suggestions that that I probably would make. He hit his first three at nine forty four. I just found it on my notes. But that's three quarters of the game through before he, he gets a shot um, to go down. And I, I think you just got to utilize things like that. When you have a team that is average right now, if we want to say it, you can't just keep doing the same things and expect to win. You got to try to find where your guys can be successful and adjust. Um, you just can't hope that shots go in. And, and I think Indiana's at the point now where to salvage their season, they we really need to see some adjustments on, on how they play and how they attack. But those two moments, where we're hitting a three at 944, and then the two over the tops, I really like to see. I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Yeah, the, the one thing, and we we talked about a lot of aspects of where being out of the game in the first half, um, but among those was you had to play Peyton Sparks, and then the ability to draw Edie from the basket, as Coach just mentioned, went right out the window. Uh, and I thought I, you didn't do that even enough, even when uh, where it was in the game. But you think um, Peyton's going to threaten him from outside? The I mean, he might threaten him physically, <laughs> but I don't know that he's going to threaten him from a basketball standpoint. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I wanted to hit on something with Mbako, but the other thing I'll say a, a good play was Anthony Walker, almost right after he came in, had a really nice cut on a play from Renew. And, and it just, to me, illustrates a couple things. You know, they're, they counter Renew a lot for playmaking. They didn't really get him into enough of those situations in the first half. I think some of that was the spacing and things like that. The other is, the the cutting stands out because this team does so little of it uh, and so little of it in a, in an aggressive way. Um, there's movement at times, but it's not aggressive, but like, I mean, Walker sprinted to the basket um, when he saw Renew doing that and he sees him like, there's gotta be more, this team has to manufacture easy baskets to what coach just said, but um, kind of to that end a little bit, you know, Mbako, I thought, had a couple really nice offensive rebounds. He had one early in the game. Galloway misses a three. He gets it back, makes a little hook shot. Um, he barely missed another shot, I feel like, early in the, uh, you know, at some point in the second half when he was in as he went to the rim. And then getting that free throw uh, and one uh, coming back after IU had missed two free throws. Um, I just thought, you know, we talked about this in one of the games recently about, like, how many guys on this team really, like, compete. I thought he really competed. I thought he wasn't thought afraid so of anything. To a fault, he wasn't afraid of anything, but he was going to go and drive at Edie, and he wasn't going to, um, you know, settle for some of the shots that other guys did, and that got him in, you know, that helped get him in foul trouble because he gets that charge, which I, you know, 
probably didn't agree with compared to, you know, some of the other calls, but I really, I really think like there's starting to bring more and more like toughness and competitiveness out of him. And now it's just a matter of how can you keep him on the floor? Cause like this team lacks that competitiveness in a lot of situations. Um, and just thought, again, I, I talked about this earlier. They settled for a lot of shots. Like he didn't, I don't feel like he settled for a lot of shots. I thought he was again, aggressive to a fault. Uh, and this team needs more of that. Um, and he's got the ability to score over people going to the rim uh, and getting some putbacks on the glass, trying to generate some kind of offense in a, in a different way uh, for this team. So I continue to be impressed with his growth. And I don't, you know, I don't think there were trying to think, you know, defensively with him didn't seem like there were the lapses that we'd seen before. I think he, for whatever, you know, I, I don't remember a play where he was just scrambling because he was there. I'm sure there were a couple, um, but see, that was one thing I was really worried about coming into this game. I think Tony mentioned it in the film room today of like, what kind of situations are they going to put him in to have to make decisions uh, and things like that. And I, I didn't think he, he was not a liability on that end of the floor that, that stood out uh, in that regard. Although, you know, as we mentioned, he wasn't on the floor enough in parts of the game, but. Mm-hmm. Here's uh coach said in a post game that he wished he put uh, Mbako back in earlier. So I'm sure you guys talked about the auto bench uh, stuff in the beginning uh, when I wasn't here. If, if <laughs> what, not, what makes I, you think that might've mentioned it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, he, he did say that he thought he, he should have had him in, but, but here's, here's the thing that I would ask. And, and to be fair, just to ask, instead of just jumping down coach Woodson, they run that double stagger pin down for Mbako early every game, trying to get him a catch-and-shoot shot or a catch-and-shoot three. Well, Purdue jump-switched it uh, with their two guards and took the cut away, and then they never went back to it, and they never made a counter to that. You have a young man who is scoring the basketball. Have a plethora of situations. That's a big word for coach. Plethora uh, of actions for your guy who can shoot, and now he's going downhill. So they've added the, the ball screen with Mbako, which I like. They've encouraged him to drive, which I like. But the, but again, make some adjustments for this young man who's playing well, and then all of a sudden in the second half, they're just driving kick, driving kick, and late shot clock, and then, then he's hoisting threes, and his percentage goes down a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, that that's what bothers me a little bit. The pieces – I don't know if the pieces are here to be great, but the pieces are here to be better. Uh, and I think Mbako has really grown the last two or three games. I agree, Andy. I don't think I saw one thing where I, was, I thought it was really bad defensively. I'm sure you'll find you know something on tape for everyone. Um, but it, you know, Indiana gets beat by 20, and it's not good. And yet there were performances and pieces of the game that that were solid. I, I'm sitting here as I was walking up. Like, how did it get? How did it get away in the first half? And you understand the second half with the energy. You put the energy to get down to nine, and, and you know. Um, so, yeah, it's just hard to come back from 21 down against the number two team or number one team, however you look at it in, in the country. But it just got away from us so so quick. But there were some decent uh, things to to build on, and I guess that's just what we got to hold our hat on going forward. Now you go on the road. That could be a whole different thing because playing here is, is special. Uh, but Mbako, uh, for the time he was out there, I, I thought really really did a good job. Yeah, I agree. I think he was the biggest bright spot tonight. You know, in a game where, at a minimum, you've got to come comp- compete and play hard and play tough. I thought Mbako and Galloway were the two guys who did that every minute they were on the floor, which was nice to see. 
Uh, all right, time to go inside the numbers brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer, the Queen, Megan Mahaffey, and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. All right, Tony, we'll start with you. Uh, what numbers really tell the story of this game for you? Yeah, Purdue uh, 125.1 in terms of offensive efficiency or 1.25 points per possession, um, depending on which site you're looking at. I'm using Bart Torvik's uh, Chrome plug-in that plugs it into ESPN's box scores. But 1.25 points per possession is – is. <laughs> Bart Torvik's it stepping up, man. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It turns the ESPN box scores into – you get the points per possession, effective field goal percentage, offensive rebounder percentage, and turnover oh, wow. percentage along with free throw rate, um, right in the box score. It's good stuff. I look forward to using that in a game that is not this one. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this one, this one it gives you a little heartburn. Um, but, yeah, 1.25 points per possession given up is, is far too many. Um, you know, Indiana was – if they wanted to win this game, you know, they're going to have to slow down Purdue's second-ranked um, offensive efficiency in, in Ken Palm. And, <laughs> and uh, with that said, though – you know, it's just you weren't gonna win that. I I didn't I didn't necessarily love where on Edie the whole game. I think I thought throwing different things at him just to kind of offset, um, you know, what he was getting comfortable. I, you know, I think where did a nice job to start pushing him out, like Coach said. But then he just started getting such deep positioning and where just trying to block everything. It wasn't gonna really end well. Um, you know, I. Ware actually did better than I anticipated on blocking some of those ED hooks. Like a hook shot is really hard to block, especially at, at seven foot four. Um, you know, usually I thought Ware would be more effective coming from the help side to block those shots, um, or, or possibly even being the double man and making the you know the wide window uh, there for ED not to be able to see over to to kick out. Penn State actually employed that, and ED turned it over a few times, even though they they beat the doors off them too, but. Um, you know, with that said, Indiana's defense just it just wasn't very good. Um, you know, Braden Smith had a lot of open looks that he did not knock down that he typically does. He's almost a 50% three-point shooter. Um, you know, tonight he was 0 for 6, 2 for 14 from the field. Um, you know, that that's kind of a gift for Indiana in, in terms of what Braden Smith did offensively. Um, you know, you know, with compound, then you have lawyer who actually did play well, who maybe who hadn't played well historically against IU. So, you know, that could offset it a bit, but you know, when Indiana plays Purdue again here in a few weeks, uh, in West Lafayette, they got to hunker down on the defensive end. Um, you know, cause it wasn't like Indiana was making a bunch of turnovers and Purdue was getting a bunch of runouts and things like that. Like they were beating Indiana in the half court, um, and pretty much getting whatever they wanted. Yeah, I mean, look, when you looked at the two losses that Purdue had this year at Nebraska and at Northwestern, there were two themes that really came through. I mean, the overarching theme is, I mean, teams in just crazy environments that are just playing above their heads, you know, just kind of lifted by their crowd. But there were two statistical things that happened. One, Northwestern and Nebraska both dominated Purdue in terms of turnovers, at least plus five in both of those games. You have to get you have to turn Purdue over to lessen the amount of shots and obviously put that in your favor. And then you have to be hyper-efficient from three-point. I mean, Nebraska, I think, was 13 of 23 from downtown. You know, Northwestern, I think, was 10 of 20. And so you look at what Indiana did tonight. Eight of 24 from three-point range is not bad. 
I mean, that's 33% from three. It's, it's not great, but it's a passable performance from three. The problem is because Purdue is just so efficient offensively, you got to be better than that. And from a turnover perspective, 10 turnovers for Indiana, most nights you'll take that, but Purdue only had eight. So they had the advantage there, and plus Purdue was 7 of 19 from three-point range. So those two spots where Purdue has really struggled on the road, Indiana didn't get a big enough advantage. And then, I mean, when Malik's not scoring, you're getting nothing from X. I mean, the math, you know, is pretty obvious. But, I mean, Andy, to me, those were the two keys coming in, and I thought Purdue did a good job of just making sure they were basically played Indiana even there. Because if you're even in those two stats – Edie's going to go win you the game. I mean, that's there's just not much else you're going to be able to do. It doesn't need to be by 21 points. You know, <laughs> Indiana failed in other areas, but not being able to do a better job with turnovers and three-point shooting really increased the degree of difficulty for Indiana in a game that was already difficult. Yeah, I mean, a three-point shooting in the first half, I used two of 12. They ended up six of 12 in the second half. Um, but when, you know, the game really got away from them, yeah. You know, mid to late second half, you've just got a, a litany of missed threes. You know, Xavier misses one, Galloway misses one, Gunn misses one, Walker misses one. I mean, everybody got in on the act. Uh, you know, Galloway did hit one, and then Renew Except takes the best one. Best three-point shooter who was sitting on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Galloway does make one. Then next possession, Renew misses one, Galloway misses one, Ware misses one toward the end that that Gunn was able to get a put back on. I think because it was an air ball. But you just kind of had a lot of guys taking it. But that to me was you know the latter half of the second half or latter latter part of the first half, IU took the majority of their threes. They made two in the half. One of them was the one Mbako made on the very first possession of the game. And and to me, that that goes back to when Purdue was just daring IU to to take those shots. Uh and and just couldn't uh you know couldn't get him out of it. You know, the only other stat that I would mention from a uh box score standpoint is you know, IU gives up 14 second chance points, outscored 14 to 7. Gave up 11 offensive rebounds. Uh, at times, it felt like more. Just seemed like they were all timely, uh, as Coach said. I think at least a couple of them are, you know, similar things that we've seen. I think Tony did a breakdown on this uh, not too long ago of you know where IU just kind of shot goes up, they just stand and somebody runs right by them. They don't really try to find anybody. Renew was guilty of that on a, on a couple occasions, and uh, you know I think that struggled. And and just to underscore Tony's uh, you know point about the points per possession, that, so I. I do this. I don't use the Bart Torvik thing. I do this more manually in a, in a spreadsheet. I mean, the end, the latter part of the first half, the final 18 possessions of the half, it was a 34 possession half. The final 18 possessions of that half Purdue scored 1.83 points per possession. There were only three of those that they didn't score on. And one of them, they had three shots at it um, and, and just missed. And it, 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 it just, I, you really it, it turned into the, you know, the offense doesn't go well. So then the defense just, settles in and, and really struggles versus the beginning of the second half often see some shots go in the intensity ratchets up defensively you know this team is not a defense turns into offense it's more an offense turns into defense and um just just rough so um that that was that that was you know in the, in the stretch that it was the worst i mean the defense was really bad i i had purdue at 1.5 points per possession for the whole first half um yeah. And so I ended up about the same place for the game. But, I mean, that's an extended period of time to give up that many points and play that poorly on the defensive end. And, Coach, we'll get your thoughts on the stats. The one thing I will add about the rebounding, you know, it wasn't good. Purdue out-rebounded Indiana by eight. But it was the second straight game that against a good offensive rebounding team, Indiana held them under their season average. 
So there actually have been some improvements rebounding. And I thought for a lot of the night, you saw Indiana attacking rebounds better. There was some slippage, and Mason Gillis just flew in and grabbed one. And you're right, Andy. Some of the ones they got were timely. But I do think Indiana is showing a little bit of progress in this area. Again, it's still not a strength. But for this team, as long as you're not getting dominated on the offensive glass, if it's a little bit more even, you give yourself more of a chance. Again, you lose by 21 tonight. It didn't make a big difference. But I do think, Coach, it was a small little thing where you know Indiana can continue to show a little bit of improvement uh, over the last few games. A- absolutely. And, and the guards were, were in there trying to rebound and everything. Again, it's just Purdue was better at everything tonight. And that's why they're uh, number two and, and Indiana's 98 in the net. There, there's a reason. Uh, the players were better. The scheme's better. The effort was better. All of that, uh, and and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't bode well for for Indiana. But you know, I thought the the rebounding wasn't huge. I thought it could be, and then you have to offset that with some other positive in the stats, as you mentioned. We didn't shoot lights out from three. We we didn't turn them over. But to me, the numbers were, were going back to Lawyer and Lance Jones. Thirty six points between the two of them. All seven of the three pointers. Uh, yes, Braden Smith had some open looks that didn't miss, but I thought they hounded him quite a bit and, and got, you know, he doesn't like playing down here, which is a nice thing. You better get used to it. Um, but, you know, on a night, you, you just, you got to stop the, the secondary. And, and I just believe philosophy that the, your stars are going to get theirs. You want to limit the stars as best you possibly can and set your defense for doing that. And, and Indiana's, you know, they, they were dig down on Edie sometimes, and I thought they were doing some nice weak side X and out on it, it but it just didn't work, um, you know. But they didn't do enough sch- schematically to cover all of those other guys. And then here's the, here's the difference. Those guys have never met a three-point shot that they weren't ready to shoot with their feet and their mind, and, and they haven't passed up a shot. When I was on uh, the Purdue uh, – preview show I said Lance Jones will shoot from Tippy Canoe County even when he's in Bloomington the young man has the double triple green light and he was ready for the moment uh, and it is the the emphasis of taking threes and you have a dominant center that's a good scheme uh, having two dominant post players and not having an emphasis on the three and just getting threes as they come organically when there's doubles which is our scheme sometimes you hit shots sometimes you dip you don't but Purdue has so many guys that are comfortable at just jacking up shots. And sometimes they shoot themselves out of games. But more times than not right now, they're very confident in their shooting uh, as opposed to I- Indiana. And, and that wasn't the only difference tonight. It, it was 20-some points. But you add up all these little things, free throws, you know, the, the, the second and third guards scoring, uh, all of that adds to a 20-point deficit where Indiana's margin for error right now with this team is a lot smaller than we thought it was in November. And against the top-quality teams, we're going to see another one on Friday night, you have to really be sharp in a lot of areas in order to win those games, and that's just where we are going forward. Uh, tonight, I thought the intensity was there, the effort there, the execution, and, and then the scheme difference was just, uh, you know, those guys got 36 points. That, that's just hard to overcome when you have a guy like Edie. It was just a very mature, professional performance yes. by Purdue. And, you know, our guys ran around fast. Like, there, there was effort out there. It just wasn't very focused. You know, our toughness, to, to Andy's point, it wasn't real. It was kind of trying this other stuff. But it wasn't true basketball toughness. And that's what this game required, and Purdue has it, and we don't. 
And so we need to get it. And, and, and by the way, you know, the last thing I'll say, credit to them for the pickup of Lance Jones. That was a terrific off-season pickup by them. Identifying a need, finding a grad transfer to come up and do that. You know, that was huge. He and Damask were, were teammates last year, the guy who's playing for Illinois. And both of those guys were huge pickups. And that's where Indiana, you know, decided they were set with Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway. Maybe having those two guys blocked other guys from wanting to come. Whatever it was, other teams' guard play has just surpassed ours. And, you know, there's just there's not much that we can do about it right we're now. We're going to run into one Friday night, too, with the guy from St. Yeah. John's uh, that AJ transferred uh, to the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wisconsin. So you're, you have some perimeter players in the Big Ten that, that are really stepping up this year from the transfer portal uh, at the perimeter position. Yeah, and Indiana's gotten good. You know, Khalil Ware, Anthony Walker, Peyton Sparks, these are guys who have provided benefits. They're good guys to have on the team. But with an open scholarship, you know, it sure would be nice to have that one other kind of mature, older guard who could really step in and help out when a guy like Xavier Johnson is giving you nothing and Gabe Cups just isn't quite ready. So, but that's something we can talk about that more in the offseason. There's nothing we can do about it now. It's just really highlighted, I feel like, in games like this when you get so little from X. All right, uh, coming up on the assembly call, it is time to hand out our Game Balls and Hoosier Hustle Awards, discuss a few lingering questions, and then look ahead to that trip to the Kohl Center coming up at the end of the week. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right, thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Tony Adrania, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. It is time now for our game balls presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental, and they want to make sure that everyone knows about radon, which is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. According to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding counties throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the action level recommended for mitigation. Contact Bloom Environmental today. Mention Assembly Call for a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. All right, we can hit these relatively quickly. It's never fun giving out game balls and hustle awards for 21-point losses, uh, but we'll get to this and then talk lingering questions. Tony, why don't you lead us off? Who gets your game ball? 
Yeah, I'll give it to Mbako. I thought he played uh, fearlessly uh, against a, a Purdue team, top team in the country, um, you know, and he wasn't afraid to take it to him and, you know, scoring seven straight off the bat, came back in the second half, started the second half in a similar fashion, uh, scoring a couple buckets. So mine will go to him. Okay. Uh, Andy, who gets your game ball? Uh, for all that I talked about with him back, I'm going to give it to Galloway. Uh, I thought really set the tone coming out of the locker room in the second half, 17 points, five assists, four rebounds. I think when you look comparative to the two of those, Mbako had two rebounds and, and no assists. So uh, I'll give it to Trey, who also played more minutes, although part of that we can't totally pin on Mbako. But uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought those were the uh, those were kind of the two. Um, those were kind of the two to, to choose from tonight, which was uh, they, they definitely separated themselves from everyone else. I'll, I'll yes. say that for sure. I would say so. Coach? Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I'm going to go with Mbako because I, I was just going to give Galloway the hustle award for doing all that stuff. Um, try not to jump ahead a little bit. But I, I thought Mbako is becoming the player that Indiana needs if he can do the things defensively. You know, I, I had mentioned before watching the coaches being really upset with Mbako, and he sat for a while. I think it might have been the Ohio State game. Uh, and I was worried, like, oh, my gosh, the, his limits might be getting limited because of the poor defense that he was playing. Well, the message, I think, was heard because lately he has really uh, – all he's got to be is just marginal. Uh, he just he can't be horrible defensively, but he is becoming a, a threat. And really, the stats are nice, but his effort has been much, much better the last few games. Uh, the way he goes after rebounds – offensive rebounds as he gets better with his basketball knowledge and his experience uh, I think he's going to be someone Indiana really needs to run a lot of stuff for and I, I just thought he was the best overall player tonight I agree with Andy that uh, Trey was everything and I just decided that those two were the only two and I was gonna I thought Trey hustled more than Mbako uh, so I, I decided to go Mbako game ball and, and then you already know where I'm going to go with with the hustle. Yeah, I mean it's obviously those two. I'm gonna I'm gonna echo Indian coach with uh, McKenzie and Baco uh, again for the reason that he was the best player. He only played 25 minutes, but that's not his fault. <laughs> you know, I mean he picked up those two early fouls, and with the rest of his minutes, he did not foul again. So you know, and if I if I could real quick use the rest of my time here to overreact to a specific comment that a coach makes, which you know it, we can we can do and 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 coach maybe you were there in the press conference. So that's kind of why I want to bring it up with you here. What he said, I probably should have played McKenzie a little more, even with the two fouls, but I didn't do that. That's hindsight, and I hate coaching that way on things I should have done. Now, given the benefit of the doubt about you know and and assume the best in what he meant there. But I would say I, I kind of get the idea you hate coaching, but don't you also have to learn from your mistakes and maybe say, hey, next time we're going to do this a little bit differently? I'm curious why he thinks that. I have to think it's just because the context of the game got away while Mbako was on the bench. There's a part of me that would like to know a lesson was learned from what we saw and saying that's hindsight. I hate coaching that way on things I should have done suggests a continued stubbornness. And talk me out of this, right? A little bit of stubbornness that I don't really like seeing. Yeah, I think. Sorry, coach, you about to say something? Sorry, we have two. I, I was just Go gonna ahead. say. I think he. Ba I've given the benefit of the doubt and basically say, like, you know, you don't okay. want to second guess yourself constantly, um, as the coach. Like, th there's so much that could be looked into that. Um, certainly, you know, like his 
his track record would lead you to believe that there will be some of that stubbornness to adapt, um, you know, and like the growth, whole growth mindset, like thing is to learn and grow from your mistakes. So like you would hope that he would have that, but I think it's just kind of in the context, heat of the moment. I hope at least that it's just like, guys, look, I don't want to second guess everything I do because, you know, that's not good for the program either. So I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. Okay. Man, when you get beat by when you get beat by twenty one by your arch rival on your home court, you're a little pissed. You're not thinking about what verbiage you're supposed to be saying and how you're <laughs> supposed to be saying it. I actually look at yeah. it as a positive that he comes into a press conference and wasn't as defensive as he had been. He, okay, to me it was I should have I should have done this, but I don't want to I don't that's in hindsight and, and sometimes you get caught up in second guessing everything you you've done. Then the next time you're in that decision, are you as decisive? Uh, I think that's more of what Coach Woodson meant. I'm going to coach okay. and I'm going to make decisive. The way I want to do things, I don't want to be thinking, is this the right thing? Is it the wrong thing at the moment? I'm going to do it. Yeah, that I just thought maybe the sentence didn't come out. Uh, you know, and we all we all have that when you're you're angry. And I thought he was actually calm in the post game as a, as compared to some other things when he's been asked questions. So I'm going to give Woodson the, the benefit of the doubt there. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad I asked. Um, okay. Let's go to the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, let's talk about my friends at Security Pro 24-7, who provide trusted and reliable security for your event or business. From Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sent you. All righty. Thank you, Anthony. Unfortunately, Anthony was out. I don't know exactly what the injury is that he was dealing with, um, but we've, we often see, see guys listed as questionable, but out. He, do you, Coach, do you know what the injury is to Anthony by any chance? I do, I do not. Okay. He, he was out there. I think he shot a half-court shot uh, at the end of warm-up, so I don't know if it, was, it doesn't look like it was, okay. you know, anything. And, no and, boot. Yeah, and you know, and that's going to be an interesting thing. I mean, you know, one of the things when you talk about what do you do with X, well, it's like at some point you have to have someone who can dribble <laughs> to play guard. And Indiana already had little depth, and with Ja'Kai Newton hurt, and if Anthony Leal is hurt, and you basically just got those four guys, and so it doesn't give you as many options if you want to actually be able to field a, a semi-competent lineup, although a lot of people could say that in three out of the last four games, X hasn't really been part of semi-competent lineups with his play, so... Uh, who knows? That question will continue to linger. Uh, I think this will be a pretty easy hustle award. Andy, why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, well, I, I would echo your sentiment that ball handling is a key part of guard play uh, that you just made. That was an astute observation that I Thanks. wholeheartedly endorse. I'm on fire um, so. right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I picked Galloway for the other one, so I can't pick him for this, even though I know that's the direction that you guys are going. So ultimately, it doesn't really matter who I pick here because it doesn't make any difference. Um I'll just give, uh, I, I guess I'll use it if nothing else, just to kind of give a, a you know quick sh- shout to Peyton Sparks. I thought he did a decent job when he was in there. Um, you know, gave some physicality against Edie, uh, was not afraid to try to go up against him. Uh, potentially 
to his to his own detriment in a couple of cases. But I, I thought again, thinking about guys who were competing, it didn't seem uh, to back down from from the challenge. I thought he came in and gave some good minutes. Thought really, as we talked about that lull that hit in the second half after everybody got off to a good start, thought there was maybe an opportunity to just put him in for two minutes, give Ware a little rest, let somebody else beat on Edie for a little while, vary who he's seeing, and uh, do something there. Uh, but I thought he gave some decent minutes in the first half. So I know it won't matter because Galloway will get it, but figured a good way to at least shoehorn in some conversation about him. Very nice. All right, Tony, who gets your hustle award? Yeah, I like that, Andy. I thought I think that was a, a good second place. But I'm going to go with Galloway uh, for for all of the things that, uh, you know, Andy mentioned previously for him winning the game ball. Um, you know, he he tried to will the team in the second half and, you know, in terms of hustle, like the the actual like definition of it, he was completely gassed. He was giving it everything that he had, um, and you know, people appreciate that. Like, I I got a text message from a very high level uh, basketball coach in the state of Indiana that texted me. It was like, you know, like Galloway may have his warts and whatnot, but like you can tell that dude gives a damn, and that's important to people. And so um, that's why he he gets my Hoosier hustle award. He always steps up in this in this rivalry. You know, you know, you're going to get something productive from him, Coach. Your hustle award. Yeah, Trey Galloway um, felt felt a little bit for him in the in the press conference. He was asking, answering questions, and he gave all the right answers. Uh, you could just tell that uh, things wear on the young man. And, and I I just I'm a big you know with Coach Marlowe, big fan of his. He Trey is doing what he can do. And he's actually been asked to do probably a little more than, than what, what he can do. And I just thought tonight he really played extremely hard and showed some leadership in a tough time at halftime and was very excited. And, you know, he said, uh, the game wasn't over. We didn't believe it was over. We wanted to come back and, and, and fight. And that, that's, that's the kind of leadership you want to have. And you just hope that the other guys follow that. And, and that's a question um, because we don't see all of that all the time from everyone. And it's hard if you're a leader on a team to lead a team that's maybe not following leadership. I just thought he was he was worn out a little bit mentally uh, tonight afterwards. He could, and he laid it on the line. So for me, uh, it, it's Galloway. I mean, he came out and scored, what, 10 points in the first, you know, five, six minutes of the second half, you know, but at some point then other guys need to step up and you need to not have that big of a deficit, but a worthy choice. And I think, again, it should be noted, McKenzie and Baco, if he had not won the game ball, would have been a worthy Hoosier Hustle Award uh, recipient because I thought he played hard. I thought he played tough. Um, and that's great to see from him. Again, if you're squinting to find silver linings in this performance, it was another really good performance from McKenzie and Baco that Indiana can build on. All right, let's look ahead here. Lingering questions, uh, and we'll go with our first one. Uh, Sean Longworth in the chat mob. Hey, if you're going to pay five dollars with the super chat to get a question, your question will be answered on the assembly call. So that is a good way to do it because not only is it green, so it shows up, and we really pay attention to it. Uh, but we uh, we appreciate that. That'll buy Coach, you know, uh, an energy drink or whatever he needs to drive home safely. Uh, this evening but good thing we have coach and Andy here for this question from Sean can you comment on the tightrope path they have to walk to make the tournament that is actually a very good metaphor because it is at this point definitely a tightrope with almost no margin for error left Uh, Andy we'll start with you you know what do you got on this one yeah I tried to break this down in the discord uh, yesterday I think it was could have been today. Who knows? Uh, but if you look at what IU has uh, remaining in, in terms of 
you know, quadrants. Uh, you know, this was tonight was one of, I think five games left, maybe six, uh, could be seven. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, I guess there were, there were seven, uh, in this category. It's the home and home with Purdue, the home and home with Wisconsin at Illinois at Ohio state and Michigan state at home. Uh, you know, to me, I said, you probably need to find a way to go three and four, maybe even four and three, uh, in that group. Cause when you look at projections right now, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Illinois are the only Big Ten teams that are safely in the tournament that are single-digit seeds at this point. You know, I had my projections go out today. I had Nebraska in. I had Michigan State in, which I'm not sure is really very smart, given what some of their metrics are, and I had Northwestern in. Um, so while they can be Q1 wins, I mean, the, the committee also looks at wins against the field. Uh, and so you've got to perform well in these Purdue and Wisconsin games. So this was one at home you need it to get and then try to figure out how you win another of those on the road. If you look in quad two, there's six games remaining as you look at it right now, home against Iowa and Nebraska and Northwestern and on the road against Minnesota, Maryland, Penn state, you know, realistically those three road games would be nice to be able to win road games, but they're not tournament teams. Uh, and those are home games that you probably have to win. So I'm not sure that after losing tonight, I, you might need to win all six of those. Uh, and then the only quad three game left is the home game against Penn state, which you can't lose both because it's a quad three game and because it's when we'll be there for the meetup. Um, That's right. So yeah, I, I, they just cannot afford, they don't have a lot of quote unquote bad games left on there to lose. But the fact that you've done nothing in the non-conference really hurts and puts the emphasis on being able to find a way to get quality wins that right now they just don't have. And I will add this to kick it to you, coach. I know we've often talked about this team has no bad losses, quote unquote. And that is true just in terms of the one loss result. But at some point, man, getting your butt kicked by 20 points adds up and it just kills your metrics. And so the irony now is that, you know, if Indiana beats a Michigan State or a Nebraska or one of these teams on the bubble, that's now a bad loss. It's going to knock their metrics down and make the win that's valuable because we're so far down trying to come up. So it's just, it's a big mess right now. And that's what happens when you dig this big of a hole, it just becomes so much harder to find any path out of it. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's just a situation where the metrics are, are giving Indiana a tough time too. Cause even if they come up with uh, two or three of these really nice quad one wins, they also got to move their metrics up. Uh, they, they got a hope to be a Rutgers who got in at 77 and had some really good wins, like four or five good wins a couple years ago and had some bad losses. And, and the net was 77. And that was the worst, I think, that got in. Maybe they were 75, but they were mid 70s. Usually you got to be in the 50s or above with the net rating, regardless of what you think. And then the other thing that is a, is a tightrope is right now, and we have Michigan State in too, uh, Andy, if that makes you feel better at Delphi Bracketology. But all the teams on the bubble have two uh, – we have two teams in, in the play-in games that have three quad one wins already. Uh, so you're not only just what you do, but it's what, what happens with the other team. You're already two or three games technically behind um, other teams in just the quality win uh, section alone. And so, you know, that's where the next two games become really, really important – uh, to get up there where you're even. If you win two games, you get two quad one wins and your metrics go up into the 70s. Uh, 
I hate, I don't want to be negative, but we don't even have them on our considered list. And our considered list is like 22 teams on the bubble. So we're not even looking at Indiana in our Delphi bracketology yet um, they, to, to even be considered. Uh, and that's the tightrope uh, that, that the question came in. The, the margin for error now, the way Indiana played, both, uh, you know, the margins uh, against the, the bad teams and not winning any of these big games the margin is really thin for uh, NCAA postseason. So the last thing, I'll kick this to you, Tony. You look ahead to Indiana's next two games, at Wisconsin, at Illinois. Ken Palm gives Indiana a 10% chance to win both. Certainly, you would look at Illinois as the one that's more likely because they're you know, ranking of 13. A lot of that was built with Terrence Shannon. They don't have Terrence Shannon. I watched that Illinois-Maryland game over the weekend. They did not look good. And obviously Maryland hasn't been very good, but they were able to go in there and get a victory. So that is a a game that if Indiana comes, you know, and actually brings the right kind of focus, they may actually have a chance. But as you look at these two games, you know, what what is it? Like what what can change between now and then? Or what do you think would be a good thing to emphasize to go in there and give yourself a fighting chance to win uh, one of those? Because at this point now, you've got to find a way to win at least one of those. Yeah, for clarity, it's 10% to win like each game, like not 10 10- they don't have a ten percent chance to win, like both of. Uh, does that make sense? Right. They have a ten percent chance to beat Wisconsin and a ten percent chance to beat <laughs> yeah, Illinois. Yeah. Right. Yes. And a, a one percent chance to win both. To win both. Is right. that the right math? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that checks um, out. <laughs> with yeah, I mean it's with Wisconsin. You know, you, you look at them and um, you know, team re- Indiana really dominated last season. Uh, you know, was kind of one of Wisconsin's best players last year was a CJ and he doesn't really even get a lot of playing time, but Wisconsin's really good on both ends. You know, they've got a great offensive efficiency this year. They've got a great defensive efficiency. Um, you know, they've got the six best adjusted efficiency in the country, um, you know, which is, is incredible. What's that? On offense, six best on offense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which is incredible. I mean, AJ store is, is, is good. Steven Crawl, Tyler wall. I mean, they're really good, um, you know, which which scares you because any team that like just looking at the season up to this point, um, the only team I use played in the top fifty and not lost by twenty is the Ohio State game they won. Um, you know, so the wheels could fall off. That's what scares me um, about this stretch here. Is like. You you reel together a couple twenty point losses in a row, you know this it, it's pretty toxic out here. Um, however, if Indiana can find a way to win one of those and win it in a way that it, you know you hit ten threes and the defense um, comes together and, and stops somebody, like that's the thing with IU is just like what's their identity? What do they hang their hat on? Um, I don't know. Like you look at Indiana from an offensive standpoint, they're 122nd in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. Like, what's their identity down there? Um, you know, you're looking at, at synergy stats. You know, from a from a post up standpoint, um, you know, Indiana's pretty good, but that's a really typically a low efficiency shot. So being top 80 percentile in post up game, like that's cool and all, but you're still only getting like 0.98 points per possession um, when you do that. And, yeah, it's just – it's tough, man, because it's just one of those things where 
at this point in the season, if you don't have an identity, it's really tough to like find one. And so and Indiana needs to find it fast. And, you know, these next few days of practice, like that's got to be kind of what the message is. Like, what is our identity? Who are we? What are we hanging our hat on? Night in, night out, what can we rely upon? Um, and, you know, I think that's why Indiana fans are frustrated. Like, with the Archie Miller era, you knew, like, what you were going to get. It was going to be a grinded out. You were going to play in the 50s and probably going to lose in a heartbreaking fashion. Like, the, you knew what you are going to get, at least. Like, with this Indiana team, it's kind of all over the place, and there's not really a calling card. And so that that part of it is is a little bit frustrating. But for me, offensively, Indiana really needs to figure that out because 122nd in the country just isn't going to get it done. No, and look, I don't want to terrify people more, but obviously the Wisconsin and Illinois games are coming up after that. It's back home, but it's against Iowa, who Mike Woodson has yet to beat. And so that's not exactly a get-right game uh, when you're playing the Hawkeyes, who are a little different this year. They're not the three-point shooting team they've been, uh, but it's still a, uh, a nut that Mike Woodson has yet to crack. Um, all right, we've got Assembly Call Radio coming up on Thursday, so we'll have plenty more time to talk about this, talk about what's coming up, and then obviously the Wisconsin postgame show on Friday. I will remind you, the 100th episode of Doing the Work is coming up on Sunday, January 21st. That's coming up this weekend. Uh, Indiana gets another crack at Purdue. This time it's the ladies. Uh, hopefully they will have better success than the men did. Uh, that game tips at 12 Eastern. The show will be immediately after. And... Uh, Jeff and Kathy are doing a home field apparel giveaway uh, for folks who are there participating in the live chat. So make sure that you check that out. You are listening to the assembly call. Remember to check out our friends at home field apparel. Use the promo code home two, three at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Gentlemen, it's time for last call coach. We'll let you go first so that you can uh, get out of there and drive home safely and go see Mrs. Tonsoni. Yeah, I, I just, tonight was disappointing. Uh, but at least I, I didn't feel like the last two losses where it was just a mental shutdown. I, I think this team continued to try to play. Uh, and, and I'm trying to find a few silver linings in, in, in tonight's performance. But I keep going back to scheme. And, and, I, and I'm not calling for any action or anything. Uh, but I think it's starting to really show that in order to play what Mike Woodson wants, there has to be uh, – some adjustments um, in, in, in some way. And the number one thing for me is pace. Play faster. Get out and run. Get into your isolation, your ball screens quicker. When they did that the start of the first half and the start of the second half, I thought that the pace was really good for what Mike Woodson wants Indiana to do. Would I want some th other things done? Yes. Play with pace. The question becomes then you're going to need to have your bench, and that's always been a, a tough situation. But I think in order to win some games, Indiana's got to look at some different ways of doing things than what they've been doing. But tonight was at least not a mental shutdown uh, like I think we had at Rutgers uh, and, and at Nebraska. I thought the guys just weren't good enough tonight. Um, the scheme wasn't good enough. The players weren't good enough. And we may see a lot more of that going forward, and we all just need to be kind of ready for that and then just cheer like heck to – to carry these guys through and, and, and get a few wins and then reload. Uh, I just think we're at that, you know, precipice right now of the season. Uh, but we still need to focus on that these guys are, are, are young men and, and, and keep trying to stay as positive and, and don't be personal uh, on, on social media or in these chat rooms. We're all disappointed. It's going to be a long drive home tonight for me. I'm not happy at all. Uh, but I, I've really done some soul searching here lately to, to, to understand that this was not good basketball tonight by any means. Um, 
but uh, we're just going to leave it at that. So hopefully Thursday night we have a good show. Wednesday night we go up and win at the Cole Center. <laughs> I just said that. Um, and then, uh, you know, we go from there. Have a good night, everyone. I'm out. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Uh, Andy, last call. Uh, just a, a disappointing performance on a lot of levels. I think you could it could have very easily told the story where IU comes out and loses this game tonight. And that would be disappointing uh, in and of itself. But I think the way this played out, the way the team basically lost the game in the first half. I mean, I know they came back coming out of the locker room with the, uh, with the flurry to start the second half, but that was such a huge hill to climb uh, at that point. And you dug yourself a hole uh, from a player perspective, from a coach perspective, and just didn't, come out with the requisite competitiveness to, to really make it a game. And that I think at this point of the season uh, of Woodson's tenure is frustrating. Some of those you know kinds of things of, you know, we talk, have conversations about identity and, and, and all that stuff. And like, that's still a mystery uh, with this group. And, and it just, uh, it, it, it's, it's disappointing. I guess I probably said that four times in, in this. And and so this team's got to figure out how to come back from a basketball perspective. That starts with guard play. They have to get better guard play. Um, by and large, the guards were totally outclassed by Purdue's guards tonight. I mean, even though Braden Smith shot really poorly, still ends up with nine assists, uh, I believe for the game and, and the shots that he missed while some of them were harassed, some of those were open looks that he just missed. Um, so the gap between the guards could have been worse. Um, and so I think that's what you've got to get figured out. A lot of that starts with Xavier Johnson, figuring out how you're going to divvy out minutes in the backcourt, figuring out what you can do to get CJ Gunn to be more consistent, to play more, figuring out what you can do to get Gabe Cups to be a more consistent contributor. Um, thought he made some strides with a couple of the shots he hit in the second half, took took fewer shots where he was off balance. But you got to get that corrected um, because otherwise it doesn't really matter um, that what Mbako and where and renew do, if you're not going to get guard, if you're going to get beat that badly at the guard position, it doesn't matter which big 10 team you're playing. You're going to have a really tough time. So now this team faces, uh, you know, two tough road games, you know, just what you want coming off of a home loss. You get a chance to go to the Cole center where this team has, you know, traditionally performed really well. Uh, so it's a kind of potential nightmare scenario, but, um, you know, maybe they, uh, rally together and, and are able to come, you know, come out and play well on Friday and, and be able to try to steal one there. That's really what they have to do from a tournament standpoint. And, and maybe they can get things rolling downhill, but right now um, it's hard to have confidence that they're going to do that, but we'll be here to root them on and hope they can figure it out in the meantime. Tony, last call. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about things getting really, really toxic. Um, if this ship doesn't get turned around, um, and, and, you know, could be warranted, could not be. A, I don't want to necessarily get into all that. Um, you know, I will say a couple notches that Woody had in his belt where he beats Purdue and he goes to the tournament. Um, you know, Purdue obviously lost tonight, potentially could lose another one later on in the season if it looks anything like tonight. Tournament's nowhere in our sights. Um, you know, that's it's not a good combo uh, for, for this fan base that's just kind of on the – the brink of just wanting sustained success. And so um, that's my biggest fear is that this is a really tough stretch for Indiana coming up, including tonight. And, you know, the, the chances are better than not that 
it doesn't go in IU's favor in, in either of the upcoming games and perhaps the next three. And if it doesn't, <laughs> I just fear uh, what it could look like out there. So, you know, for everybody's mental and physical health, I, I hope that Indiana can turn this thing around um, and so that it doesn't become, you know, kind of a toxic wasteland out here. It's so strange. You know, you look at each of Woody's first two seasons and there's been a point kind of similar to this in each one, right? You know, his first year, they lose five in a row in February, the Northwestern suspension, everything looks like it's falling apart and they find a way to make the tournament last year. You know, you have that bad stretch of play that ends, I think at the North, the Penn state game where you just get blown off the court and they rebound and come back. And it is comforting to think about for a split second until you remember that those teams had the maturity and the talent of guys like Trace Jackson Davis, who's starting in the NBA. You know, last year you had Jalen Hutchifino, who was a first-round draft pick. Miller Kopp, who's playing in the G League. Race Thompson, who was a grizzled veteran, who even in his, you know, less athletic senior self, was still able to make big plays to win games like the, the Michigan game and just knew where to be. And that's the thing with this team is they just don't have that. You know, talked in the offseason about, hey, 10 years of experience in the backcourt, that will help, you know, kind of carry the day. And, you know, you got, you know, Anthony Walker coming in to give this experience, but it's just not materializing into anything that is helping Indiana win basketball games consistently. On a night like tonight, a big part of the reason for that is Xavier Johnson. And so whatever's going on with him from a mental standpoint, and at this point, it certainly seems more mental than it is physical. That's got to get figured out somehow, some way, um, or you know, any even tiny semblance of a chance for Indiana to rebound and make something of this season, which is all it feels like there is right now, even that's going to go out the window. So it's always just such a disappointing night to lose by 21 points, to lose the way that, that Indiana did. You know, when you see Zach Eady diving for loose balls and Purdue getting those 50-50 balls, you know, that's the kind of stuff that happened in this rivalry under Archie Miller, and it hadn't happened under Mike Woodson. Um, and you know, on, on podcast X's and Joe's, uh, you know, Mike and Bob talked a lot about a coach and his chip stack and that chip stack for Mike Woodson, unfortunately, this season is really starting to dwindle with some of these performances and some of the questions and, and just some of the things that are going on. So we've been here before with this program under Mike Woodson, the last two seasons, they found ways to get it going, but the degree of difficulty this season is so much higher than it was the last two. So we'll be here. We'll be watching it. We'll be cheering. We'll be hoping they can get something turned around. Um, but what we saw on the court tonight in a rivalry game, in a huge opportunity to change the narrative of the season, all it really did was reinforce the narrative that's been going on. And that's extremely disappointing. But all you've got is your next game to try and change it again. So if Indiana can go to the Cole Center and do something that seems unfathomable, you know, maybe we revisit this. But for now, you know, I think you know, what we saw uh, on the court tonight, unfortunately, is just kind of who this team is. Um, and, you know, Purdue, unfortunately, is a very good team, and they treated us like it, and they won. Hats off to them. Hopefully we will be better uh, and play much better here moving forward. But tonight, not much to cheer about. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com, join our free email newsletter, upgrade to paid and get all of Tony's IU Film Room stuff. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the, on the show. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back on Thursday for AC Radio. Until then. Take it from me, Rob Finnessy.
Keep your eyes on the rim, your elbows in. Go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come, Mrs. Dunsony. They got problems. Yeah. In the middle of the second half, my daughter, who, my daughter's awesome, by the way. She's, you know, my daughter is very funny and also can be very mean at times. And so when she gets mad at me, she likes to run around the house saying, go Purdue, or she'll say, like, I'm going to go to college at Purdue just, like, just to get at me. Because she's funny like that. But today, she was very, very supportive uh, of the Hoosiers. She knew it was an important day. Even wore Andy uh, her pink Indiana Hoosiers outfit, which was either Hannah or Mallory's that you and Jen sent. So she wore it. She was into it. And middle of the second half, she's like, Dad, she's like, why do we care so much who wins or loses these games? And I was like... Well, that's a great question, my dear. Uh, and it really almost kind of threw me into an existential crisis there. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why. Yeah. As if things weren't going question. bad enough. You're yeah. starting to question everything. Yeah. I know. I know. It would have been much easier to answer if we were up by 20. But when you're down 20, yeah. it's like, boy, that's a, that really cuts to the heart of what I'm doing with my time right now. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, my dear, for... Adding, adding a little levity to what was a rough, <laughs> a rough two hours of basketball. Fantastic. Yes. All right. Well. All right, uh, gents. Man, Andy, what a twenty-four hours for you, from a sports I mean, perspective. Holy moly! I, I, uh, At least the yeah, Eagles. You think your is daughter's over. asking those questions? What am I <laughs> yeah. asking right now? Yeah. <laughs> Although the Eagles was incredibly predictable, so that was not. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Oh man! And then with uh, with Detroit winning, the Reds are now like the the major league team with the longest drought from winning like a playoff game or series. <laughs> so I got that going for me. So okay, things are going well. Pretty much the IU women's team is almost all that I have going at this point. Uh, so yes. hopefully they can bounce back after IU after baseball Saturday. this spring, baby. That's true. Yeah, and they're gonna be Signetti, tough. He's recruiting Bo Jackson, so. Signetti just keeps going. Bo Jackson and and Ryan's quarterbacks. Yeah, I know. I know. Did you see that? The number one quarterback in the country. He's committed to USC, but he said he's looking at what? Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, somebody. Apparently else our quarterback Indiana. coach is like his uncle. Yeah. Mm. These Sorry. those schools are often mentioned in the same sentence from a football perspective. So Dude, I don't know why am, we would be surprised. I I fully endorse anybody. Kurt Signetti hasn't played a game. He hasn't won. It's all new. It's all positive vibes. Just envelop yourself in the positive Kurt Signetti vibes to get through this basketball season. We'll oh, I've already convinced myself. We'll worry about the results later. Yeah. We're going undefeated into that Ohio State game. It's going to be unreal. Dude, the schedule. I, I mean, know. It works in our favor. I know. I know. As I, as I tweeted out after listening to all the stuff from uh, – crimson cast before the last football season i'm i'm ready to be heard again so indiana football <laughs> do your worst <laughs> oh, man. uh we got tj in the chat doesn't think we know we're live we're live we know we're where oh yeah we're live we always do this at the end we always do yeah. it's just fun more kind of relaxed green room post-show talk we'll try not to spill yeah. ac after dark. dark secrets yeah We'll save we'll save the, the the secrets for after we hit end stream. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's go. Anyway, ahead. all right, absolutely. All right, guys, sounds good. Tony, right. thanks for being here, man. Yeah, yep. appreciate it, Tony. Appreciate you guys. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you Thursday night.